0: Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast. Making the Bible come to Life. Featuring the expository Story preaching of Dr. John Katsian. let's kill him they yelled let's pick up these stones and destroy him i'm sick of david if it hadn't been for him and the stupid plan to take on the philistines from behind i wouldn't be losing my wife i wouldn't have lost my children no i'm gonna pick up the stone and let's stone him yeah yeah the men all stood around cheering stone him yeah yeah let's do it i'm sick of following him i'm sick of doing what's right i'm sick of yahweh and following him and what david wants us to do no let's stone him now let's kill him he's brought us nothing but pain and suffering the men were around david the men were circling him and some of them had picked up stones they were ready to stone david now, how in the world did we get here? What, what, what happened that, that David's own men are ready to kill him? Well, welcome to 1 Samuel 29 and 1 Samuel 30. I mean, this is some interesting chapters. But the thing that I want you to remember is this. This phrase. It's found in 1 Samuel 30. And it says this. That David... Sought the Lord. David decided, amidst all the troubles that he was facing, that he was going to take refuge in the Lord. Or the verse literally says this 1 Samuel 30, verse 2 But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in Yahweh his Elohim. I mean, that's literally what it says. He strengthened himself. In Yahweh. But David, even though he is surrounded by men that are about to stone him, strengthens himself in Yahweh. And that was the key to David's victory. And that was the secret to David being a man after God's own heart. He did not pursue a witch of Endor like Saul to try to somehow talk to God. He didn't try to do things in his own strength again like Saul did. David, when faced with one of the greatest challenges of his life, didn't try to do things in his own ability. He sought the face of Yahweh. Now, how did he get here? What in the world happened? How did David end up in this spot? He's the great King David. How did he end up about to be stoned by his own men? Well, what happened was this. Things were going great for David. Now remember, he is in Ziklag and he's lying to the king of Achish. And he's about to go into battle with the king of Achish as part of the Philistine army against the people of Israel. He is about to go to battle. Now, he left Ziklag and went 50 miles north to this town called Aphek, A-P-H-E-K. And there he came with the Philistine army to do battle against the Israelites his very own people. Now, again, this doesn't look like it's going well. This looks sort of like David's plan backfired on him. Or did it? Because I think what David was planning to do, I think he had a plan and his plan was that he was going to stay in the rear of the army. I mean, literally, it says that he was passing on in the rear. He was with Achish, his commander, his king, and he was at the rear of the Philistine army. And I think the Philistines were going to go into battle against Israel, and at a given time, his 600 valiant warriors and himself, since they were in the rear, they were all of a sudden going to turn and join forces with Saul and like a big pincer move. Israel from one side and David having turned and decided to come on the side of Israel from the other, catch him in a big pincer move, and destroy him. I mean, I think that was David's plan. But the thing is, we never see it. We don't see what happens. Why? Because the Philistines find out it's David. It's David. And when they find that out, they go to the king of Achish, and they go, no way. We are not going to go into battle with David, and especially at the rear. And King Achish says, why? David has been nothing but truthful and honest with me the moment he's joined me, which is a complete lie, right? David this whole time has been saying, yeah, I've been attacking the cities of Judah and attacking all these Israelites, when in fact, he's been pillaging the Ammonites, the Amalekites, and all these other tribes that had nothing to do with Israel. And in fact, where it's completing some of these tribes that were put under the ban, the Girgashites, he was attacking other people and he was totally lying to Akish, But Akish believed him. And he thought. He was going against his own people, and so he goes to the Philistine commanders. No, 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 David's on our side. Everything's cool. Everything's great. But they said, "Uh uh-uh. There is no way. And then they repeat this phrase. They say, isn't David the one where they say Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands? How do we know he won't turn on us? How do we know he won't come out and march right out against us? And Achish keeps fighting for him and saying, No, this is a good guy. No, no, this is a good guy. And the lords of the Philistines, the commanders say, No, we are not going to go into battle with David. Well, now whether David had a plan, or whether he just got saved from a huge embarrassment, I don't know. But at the end of this story king achish says i'm sorry david you can't go into battle with us the lords of the philistines do not approve of you so please go back go back to ziklag you don't have to fight for me everything is forgiven you are good and David faints, but what have I done? Oh, man, come on. I wanted to fight. Come on, please. This doesn't seem fair. And, 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 and Achish goes, oh, I know, David. You are blameless. As an angel of God, he even says. As an angel of Elohim, you are so blameless. Man, David had the wool pulled over Akish's eyes. Man, I think David had a plan worked out where he was going to do some big pincer move and turn on Achish. And maybe David was so disappointed and so distraught. He was going to join with Saul, destroy the Philistines, link up with Saul, and then people were going to go, yay, we love you, David, and maybe raise him as king. And maybe he was disappointed. Or maybe, like I said, David was just happy. And he's thinking, whew, thank you, Lord, you got me out of a tight spot. I would have had to go into battle against my own people. This would not have been good. And so in the early morning light, David and his 600 men turn south and head back to Zeklag. Totally rejected by the Philistines. They don't trust him. Well, hey, you know what? At least I've got Akish on my side. I I now have an alibi uh, that that says David's a good man, and and I offered to go into battle. Everything's looking good on that end. And as they come closer on this fifty mile trip, they they come over the crest of the hill, and what is that? Is that smoke? Is that fire? What what? <gasps> ziklag has been burned to the ground and david and his men come running towards ziklag and they discover that while they had been gone to fight on the side of the philistines raiders had come in and totally burned ziklag to the ground but not only that, I can imagine they burst through the, the gates that are left and they look for where's my family? Where's my wife? Where's my sons? Where's my daughters? And they're probably nervous. They think there's going to be dead bodies everywhere. And instead, there's nothing. It had all been taken. These raiders, instead of killing them, had carried off all their sons, all their daughters, and all their wives. David's two wives had been taken from him. Abigail and Ahinoam's two wives, had been taken. And his children had been taken. And he's looking around and he's thinking... All my goods, all my wealth, all my money, everything had been taken. All my wives, all my children, everything had been taken. And he probably turned around and it says that the men of David and David himself began to weep. And they began to become greatly distressed and they cried and cried and cried until they had no more strength to weep. My goodness. I don't know if you've ever really cried, you know, really wept over something. But this was a punch to the gut. And when these men got done with weeping and crying, remember, these were not the best men. Some of them, I think, had become true followers of Yahweh and had had their hearts changed. But a lot of these men were following David because they should have been arrested. They were evil and vile men. And when they began to realize how much they'd lost their own wives, their own sons, their own daughters, they turned their heads and they looked at David. Some of them began to have a snarl on their lips and they began to whisper, let's stone him. Let's stone him because if it hadn't been for him, because of his stupid plan, because of his great idea, we would have been here with our wives to protect them, with our children to protect them. And little do they remember that if they hadn't been with him, they never would have been in ziklag to begin with and they'd still be stuck in their trouble. But you know what? They're just caught up in their moment and they are furious and it says that some began to pick up stones and talk about picking up stones to throw them at david and to stone him to death now what would you do if you were faced with that you know what would you do would you just fall to your knees and plead for your life Or would you come out swinging and try to take them all down? Because, hey, I'm David and the Lord is with me. No. You know what David did? He sought the Lord. It says, like I said at the beginning, he strengthened himself in the Lord. When facing a great trial and a great obstacle, David first sought the Lord's face when facing a tragedy. I mean, this wasn't anything he planned. He didn't know these raiders were going to come through. And in that moment, he could have reacted in a number of ways. But in that moment, his first idea was to strengthen himself in the Lord. I don't know how he did that. Maybe he dove into the Old Testament that he had and, and read of Yahweh's promises and he read of how Yahweh protected and took care of Abraham and, and Moses and led his people out and he read what he had and some of the laws and, and David talks about in many of his Psalms how he loves the law and he would read that and take comfort in that. And then I think he went and talked to Abiathar, the priest. And maybe he had him interpret some of the law to him and some of the stories to again strengthen David. And when those men picked up stones to stone him, I think he probably had to talk some of them down. He said, don't worry, we're going to get him back. They've been kidnapped by these Amalekite raiders, but do not worry. We're going to give them back. And maybe he had to talk and make peace and calm them down and hug them as they weeped. And then he went to Abiathar, the priest, and he said, bring me the ephod. Now remember, the ephod had the Urim and Thummim, which is really hard to say, right? But it was this breastplate that had these stones and you could take out one of the stones and in it was a bag, and and in that were smaller stones, and that might have been how it worked. We're not exactly certain, but they would use this Urim and Thummim to discern God's will. And many people believed one stone was a yes, the other stone was a no. And they would put it into a bag, and they would stick their hand in, and whatever stone they pulled out, That was God's answer. And so it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord, and then he inquired of the Lord. I mean, what a great way to deal with problems, right? When you are facing a big problem. Maybe you're switching schools, and you don't know what this new school is going to be like, and you're really worried. Well, strengthen yourself in the Lord, read some Psalms, read some Proverbs, read read some chapters that can really encourage you, and then inquire of the Lord, and then ask him what you should do, ask him to guide you, ask him to be there, and and he promises, inquire of the Lord of all the promises that he's given you, Maybe you've got to go apologize to your sister or your brother. And man, that's a frightening thing. Or maybe you've got to go admit to your mom and your dad that, you know, I messed up here. And the thing that I said I didn't break, I actually did break. And you got to go apologize. And you're scared to death of that. Strengthen yourself in the Lord first. Read some Psalms. Read some Proverbs. Remember the promises of God and then, Lord, how do I do this? What do I do? What do I say? And he'll give you the strength to say it. Or maybe you're an adult and you've got to confront that friend who you're worried about. He's heading down some path, some spiritual decline, and you're worried where he's going to end up. And you're worried, how, how do I face that? Or, or maybe you've just lost a job. Or, or maybe you have an angry spouse or an angry friend who's upset over what you've done. Or maybe you've faced some financial difficulties. I don't know. Whatever it happens to be, that tragedy, that mountain, you've got to climb. First of all, we can learn from David. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Read some scripture. We've got the New Testament to add to that. Read from the Gospels. Remember some promises and then ask the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. What do I do? What do I say? What words should I use? How should I do this? What time of day? Strengthen and inquire. But seek God first. And that's what David did. And so they consult God using the ephod. And David says, should I pursue these Amalekites? If I pursue them, will I overtake them? He's inquiring of the Lord. Now remember, Saul, he also wanted to inquire of the Lord. But when he inquired of the Lord, the Lord didn't answer, right? Because the Lord had rejected Saul. I mean, here it shows David is the new chosen man. He's the man that God says, this is my beloved. This is the guy I want you to follow. He's the exact opposite of Saul. Because when he inquires of the Lord, God answers. So when David asks, "Should I pursue after these Amalekites? Will I overtake them? God says, yes. Yes, pursue them. You're going to overtake them and you shall surely rescue So David, he can go back to the 600 men and go, Listen, we're going to get our wives and children back. Everything's going to be fine. We can do this. And so they head out. And they head south. Now remember... They had just gone 50 miles north to participate in the battle. They got rejected, so they had to walk another 50 miles back. That's 100 miles total. When they get back, they find that their town has been pillaged, and now they've got to keep on heading south. 600 men walking in that hot, hot, arid desert and hot place. and oh, This is exhausting. And along the way, 200 of them say, I can't do this, David. I can't do this. I'm too exhausted. So David leaves him by the Brook Besor to have some water to drink. And he leaves 200 of them and he, he leaves them with some valuable stuff, some things they can use in reserve depending on how the battle goes. And hey, watch the stuff, watch our military equipment, watch our food. And then he takes 400 of them and they carry on south. But they're going with encouragement because God says you can overtake him, You can do this. He inquired of the Lord and God said, yes. So here's David with 400 men, and they're coming along to the Amalekites, trying to catch up with them. God promised them, you will. In fact, you're going to overtake him. Well, they're coming along, and then they see a man just wandering in the field, just wandering in the open country. And they go over to him, and they find he's an Egyptian. Now, the Amalekites aren't Egyptians. But they find out that this Egyptian served one of the Amalekites. He was one of their slaves and worked for one of the Amalekites as a servant. And they had just left him. And so they asked this Egyptian, why were you left behind? And he says, I haven't eaten bread or drunk anything for three days and three nights. And so they gave him, and it's interesting, it says they gave him water, they gave him something to drink, they gave him water to drink, they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. Hmm, sounds great, doesn't it? Well, not by today's palate, but in those days, man, water, figs, and raisins, whoa. Talk about a pick-me-up, that would have been awesome if you hadn't eaten anything for three days and three nights, well... The Egyptian, he becomes revived. And again, they ask him, what happened? And he basically says, I fell sick. Maybe he got food poisoning and he started vomiting. But, but, or maybe he got some sort of virus, you know, maybe got an early version of COVID. I don't know, but there he is sick. And so his master says, see ya, dumps him off on the side of the road and they keep heading south. And they find out that this Egyptian had been left behind because he was sick. But this Egyptian had also participated in the raid and had been part of the party that came in, pillaged Ziklag, and taken all their wives, their children, and all their stuff. And so this Egyptian knows exactly where they are. And he knows exactly where they're hiding. And so David says, listen, will you take me to them? Will you take me to where their their headquarters are, where they're hiding out? Will you take me? The Egyptian looks at him and he says, all right, I'll take you. But listen, you got to promise if I take you to where they're at, You have to swear to me by your God that you will not kill me or or deliver me back to my master. Because I don't want to work for him again. But you got to also promise not to kill me. Swear by God. Swear by God. And I think he's saying, swear by your God, David. And so David swears, if you take us to him, I won't kill you. And I won't send you back to your master. So the Egyptian says, all right. It's this way. Maybe it leads them off the beaten path a little bit and leads them through maybe a little bit of a ravine and a a little bit of a mountain pass and they come over and, and they take it and they look and they come over a hill and then they look out and there are the Amalekites. This band that raided and pillaged their town and some of the men who are hiding, you know, uh, just on the ground looking over the top, and they go, "Oh, there's my wife! Oh, oh, there's Sue! Oh, oh, there's Peggy! Oh, 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 oh look, there's Danielle! Yes, they, there's our wives! Oh, oh, look, there's little David! Hey, I named him after you, David! Oh, really? Thanks, that's great! Yeah. Oh, look! Oh, look, there's little Jenny, and oh, and David, he sees. There's I know him. There's beautiful Abigail." His wives are still alive. But not only that, he finds that all the people are alive. He finds that they have all their stuff, but he finds that the Malachites are eating and drinking, and it says they are dancing. They are just kicking it up because they think they have just had a great victory against David. They are partying. And they think everything is fantastic. But here's the key. There is a lot of these Amalekites who are partying. A lot of these Amalekites think everything's great. This isn't just a small band of like 50 people or even the same size of David's with 400. These are thousands of Amalekites. And I guess the the idea from the passage is that David is heavily outnumbered. 400 to 1,000, 400 to 2,000. It might have been. Or might have been bigger than that. But remember, what did David do when faced with adversity? He strengthened himself in the Lord. He trusted in Yahweh. So David probably looked down the row at his men. He gave him a nod, and they all looked at him, and they nodded back. Then he looked down the right at all his men lying on the ground ready to attack, and they looked at him and nodded, and he looked at them and nodded. And then a big smile, I imagine, came on his face because they were about to take everything back. God had promised it. They were going to take everything back. And they were going to have a great victory. And David and his men rose up. Roar! And they ran down that hill. And they fought. And they battled. Ching, ching. You can imagine sword hitting sword and spear hitting spear and Fists and punching, and they struck the Amalekites down. And it says they struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day the sun was beginning to set when david said raw and they ran down the hill and so they fought as the sun began to set and then it got dark and they continued to fight and they killed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of men and then until the 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 morning broke and they kept fighting And then afternoon came and they stopped for tea or lunch. No, I'm kidding. They didn't. They didn't stop for tea or lunch because they kept fighting. And it says he struck them all down until evening the next day. That's exhausting. And why do I think this number of men was huge? It says he struck them all down except 400 young men who escaped on camels. But it sounds like in this passage that this is a small group who barely got out alive, and they ran away on these fast camels, and they barely made it this small group of 400. And if that's true, if 400 is a small number, this must have been a massive amount of Amalekites. And David and his men fought all night, all morning, all afternoon, and all evening... And finally they won the day and I can imagine David falls to his knees exhausted and his two wives come running over and they lift him up and they give him a hug and it says David recovered his two wives and all his stuff and all the men recovered all their sons and their daughters and their wives and all their stuff and the Bible says nothing was missing whether small or great. Everything that had been taken, David had been able to take back. And as they're coming back with all their spoils of war, they come across the 200 men, they're now heading north back to Zikling, and they're coming back to that to that brook of Beshore, and there they meet the 200 men and yeah, they're cheering woohoo. And they come across the 200 men they'd left behind. And some of the 400 men had said, they don't deserve the spoil. They don't deserve what we get. And David said, no. They protected our stuff. They stood by the stuff. They didn't just leave. No way. It's going to be split evenly between those of us who fought and those of us who stayed behind and protected the stuff. And it says in here in this passage that to this day... That rule still stands, and David made it a statue that throughout all Israel, if you go to fight or if you stay behind and take care of the stuff, the share of the spoil, the share of all the great stuff is the same. Now when David gets back to Ziklag... He brings all his extra cattle and camel and sheep. And David says, we have all this extra stuff. We got our stuff back and a little bit more. Now David's smart and he's thinking, you know what we're going to do? Let's give some of the stuff back to Israel. And everywhere David had gone with his 600 men in Israel, right? They were thankful and they had protected parts of Judah, parts of Bethlehem, but they'd also taken a lot. Because that's a lot of people to feed. That's 600 men fighting warriors you got to feed. And they've taken things. And those places had given up a lot to take care of David and his men. So David, in gratitude, and also because he's smart, thinking, one day I'm going to be your king. If I give you gifts now, you're going to remember that. So when I become king, you're going to go, hey, that's the guy who gave us gifts. I am all for him. And so David sent like maybe a whole flock of goats to Bethel. And he says, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. Here's a herd of goats. Here's a herd of camels. Here's some gold. Here's some jewelry. And he sent it all the way to Bethel, to Jeter, to Auror. I mean, all these towns I've never heard of, but he sends them all over Israel. And the men of Israel begin to have their hearts slowly turned to David. And it was a genuine way to say thank you for taking care of my men. Back in those days when we helped you, thank you. So what began as David on the precipice of war going against his own people ended with the Lord blessing David and his men and his families with blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Man, what a roller coaster ride of a story. But you know what it began with? It began with David always pursuing God. Way back, right? It says David was a man after God's own heart. Way back, right? It says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And when God saw David's heart, he saw a heart that was going to be loyal to Yahweh no matter what. And in the middle of great tragedy, in the middle of great adversity, what does David do again and again? He strengthens himself in the Lord. And man, I, I pray we do that. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you call Jesus your Savior, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm going to follow him, you're going to have to learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord every day. Because life's not easy. And you're going to face adversity, whether it's maybe you're worried about your parents. They don't seem to be getting along, and you're worried they're going to get a divorce. That's scary stuff. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Maybe you're worried about a new school you've got to go to or how in the world am I going to do my math online and all this COVID stuff and only go to school a couple days a week and it's confusing and I don't know how I'm going to do and you're stressed and you're anxious. God says, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Maybe you're an adult and you're worried about your marriage, and you're worried about it might end in divorce, and you're worried where it's going, and maybe you're facing some real adversity there, man. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Maybe you're facing some tough decisions, some tough financial or physical battles, and you're scared what's going to happen. Strengthen yourself in the Lord, and then inquire of Him. It worked for David it'll work for us. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible@gmail.com. At if you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com/baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Okay.